Hello and welcome to the first episode of Recoup with Dr. Sharan, a podcast where a doctor explains exactly why everything in your body hurts all of the time. Does sitting for too long hurt your back? Does typing make your wrist tired and sore? If that feels familiar, then this episode is for you. Dr. Deepak Sharan is an internationally recognized expert in ergonomics and work-related musculoskeletal disorders. The Wall Street Journal calls him a cult figure in the world of RSI. Sarika Kishore, who you'll also hear in this episode, is a Toronto-based life coach who helps young professionals unearth their true purpose and source of happiness. You're about to listen to a conversation between the two of them. We will touch upon the common causes of repetitive strain injuries or RSI, how to prevent them, and when to see a doctor and how to best get treatment. Now, before we get into it, just a little warning, the audio quality is a little off. We're working on improving it, so turn up the volume just a little bit, sit back, and recoup with Dr. Sharan. On to the episode. Dr. Sharan, as a lay person, I just wanted to know what is RSI. So the first thing to know about RSI is that there is no medical condition called RSI. It refers to a group of work-related musculoskeletal disorder, that's an umbrella term, under which many specific uh, medical conditions lie. Uh, so what is common to all these conditions is that essentially uh, work-related factors are uh, important in development of these conditions. And uh, the uh, structures in the body that are affected are the muscles, the covering layer of muscles called the fascia, which is the connective tissue, tendons, ligaments, nerves, blood vessels. These are the main uh, structures which we call the musculoskeletal system that is affected in the uh, condition. And why is it called repetitive injury? Some years ago, it was believed repetition was one of the main uh, causes of uh, this condition, particularly in the US and Commonwealth countries, still it is popularly called RSI. We now know that these conditions are multifactorial. There are many other uh, factors that are involved. Among work-related factors, there could be uh, static loading, holding fixed postures for too long, excessive use of force, uh, awkward uh, postures sustained for long durations. Besides environmental factors, temperature, noise, lighting, etc. And very importantly, individual factors. So the workers themselves have several conditions that may put them at risk. Mm -hmm. Starting with their age, gender, their physical fitness, whether they have some medical comorbidities. Uh, so in our research, we have found that nearly 40% of the workers who develop a work-related musculoskeletal disorder mm -hmm. have some other medical conditions such as high uric acid, hypothyroidism, low vitamin D, B12, osteoporosis. And uh, these are not only risk factors for the development of work-related musculoskeletal disorders. Unless we treat these conditions, the recovery uh, becomes very difficult. Okay. And so for anybody who is experiencing pain, how would we know that we need to go to the doctor now. Well, when it starts affecting your work and your normal day-to-day -day activities is 
where you should start taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. In general, uh, the earlier you, you recognize the symptoms and the earlier you take uh, medical help, the more quicker your uh, recovery is likely to be and much more easier when it is addressed at an early stage. So there are three stages uh, by which we conventionally classify RSI. Mm-hmm. Stage one is where you have symptoms when you are working and very soon after you stop working, the symptoms go away. Stage two is where the symptoms persist even when you stop working, but if you get a good night's sleep or if you don't work on Sunday, by Monday morning you are more or less free of symptoms. Stage three is the more advanced stage where you have pain almost constantly and it is not directly related to work. There are also associated symptoms like your sleep getting affected or you have nerve-related symptoms like burning, tingling, numbness, etc. So, what is known is that if you report your symptoms at stage 1, the recovery is likely to take just a few days. Mm -hmm. And uh, it would be things like making changes in your workstation setup, maybe a few stretching exercises. And most people recover pretty quickly. In stage two, it could take a few months and you may require some specialized physical therapy in addition. Stage three would likely take much longer and you may even need medicines and you may need uh, interdisciplinary rehabilitation approach, which may include psychological treatments, uh, aquatic therapy, biofeedback, and various other things. So the message is to um, address symptoms at an early stage and uh, uh, not wait till it starts uh, affecting your ability to work or do your normal day-to-day activities. So the moment you start experiencing discomfort uh, is when uh, ideally it should be addressed. Yeah, but normally we feel pain. The normal reaction is to take a paracetamol or Advil or something. And just treat it and it gets better at the initial stage. So what we also know about uh, many uh, of these uh, work-related musculoskeletal conditions is that it initially starts as a regional pain, for example, affecting the muscles of the neck and upper back. Mm -hmm. And if we continue working, we we continue being exposed to the same risk factors and we are just uh, killing our pain temporarily by taking Mm painkillers. The pain often starts spreading to other areas in the body, the upper limbs, lower back, lower limbs. And it can even end up with a complicated pain condition called type 1 complex regional pain syndrome, where uh, one can start getting swelling in the hands, burning, skin discoloration, uh, temperature changes. That's a very, very painful condition and quite challenging to recover from. So, um, uh, continuing to work in pain just by suppressing symptoms with painkillers is not a good idea at all because uh, regional pain can become a widespread pain, it can become chronic, it can become disabling, and it could lead to complicated situations affecting the nerves and blood vessels. And it may become very difficult and uh, very difficult to recover from, and it may take a very prolonged medical treatment to get it done. That makes sense. And so if 
if uh, somebody is suffering from some pain, what should be the steps uh, and where should they go? Who should they connect with? First? So there are international recommendations, especially from the International Association for Study of Pain, which is the professional's body, professional body for uh, doctors that deal with pain. Mm -hmm. uh, the treatment must be in an interdisciplinary team approach mm -hmm. where there are a group of professionals working under a single employer. They don't work independently on their own, but they all work in a team under a single employer. Mm -hmm. And they speak to each other, they have frequent team meetings for each patient, and there is good coordination of care. Okay. The specialist that you should see first, the current recommendation is that you should look for a physical medicine and rehabilitation physician. They are the specialists who have the best training regarding the musculoskeletal system. Ideally, they should also have additional training in ergonomics, occupational health, and related fields. Mm -hmm. The challenge is, especially in countries like India, most of the uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation physicians mm -hmm. uh, are uh, small in number, and they largely are focused on uh, neurorehabilitation of conditions like strokes, spinal cord injury, etc. And very few of them actually have a special training or interest in treating uh, musculoskeletal disorders and specifically work-related musculoskeletal disorders. Mm -hmm. But however, uh, 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 the, the current thinking is that the interdisciplinary team should comprise phys physiotherapists, occupational therapists, clinical psychologists, nutritionists, uh, aquatic therapists, biofeedback uh, therapists, physicians specializing in lifestyle medicine and functional medicine. So it's a team approach and uh, it should be headed by a, a rehabilitation physician. Okay. And uh, so I would like to ask you following that is, what is your specialty and how you bring that special treatment to this? So, we have been working in this field for more than two decades. There are a few important learning points. First is that there is a general feeling that uh, work-related musculoskeletal disorders or RSI as still commonly called in some places mm -hmm. is impossible to recover from as long as you continue working in the same profession. Mm -hmm. So still people say that the only way you'll get better is either you stop using your hands, stop uh, using a computer, change your job. Uh, it usually doesn't work because the moment you start working with your hands with some other job, you may still uh, have the same symptoms. Taking rest does not help very much. In fact, the risk of developing serious complications like type 1 complex regional pain syndrome increases if you stop using your hands, start wearing wrist braces. Mm -hmm. uh, so generally, we recommend people to remain active. Mm -hmm. What helps people recover is if they have a facility at their offices uh, or industries where there is a robust educational program where the workers are aware of the warning signs and symptoms. Mm -hmm. 
they have a facility for early reporting of symptoms they are able to uh, consult a physician specializing in these conditions on site have a physical assessment done any investigations that are required and then start with the appropriate treatment, which would largely be different aspects of rehabilitation. So you may have physiotherapists on site. Each worker gets a specific ergonomic workplace analysis done to look for the risk factors. Those are corrective. And the entire rehabilitation is offered uh, usually on site and long-term follow-up is also available. So we have multiple published research studies that have shown recoveries in the range of around 90 to 95%. Uh, complete recovery where workers have no significant uh, uh, pain or other symptoms. The remaining five or 10% have partial recoveries, uh, but their symptoms are not se uh, severe enough to interfere with work. So almost all 100% workers continue working. Nobody takes time prolonged time off work and certainly almost no worker becomes disabled and loses the use of their hands. Mm -hmm. So early diagnosis, early reporting, early uh, rehabilitation, assessment of all the relevant risk factors, whether it is work-related risk factors, environmental factors, factors present in the worker, the psychosocial factors, all these need to be identified and expertly treated and mm -hmm. the results are uh, almost universally successful in such cases. So, Dr. Sharan, I wanted to take you back to your specialty, that is the research and how workers can benefit from such a program. But what is your specialty and how are you uh, providing that service to various organizations or people who come to? So, how we approach it, uh, uh, of course, in the pre-pandemic era, uh, all these services were in person. Uh, we had uh, occupational health clinics in industries mm -hmm. where we had a team of a physician uh, who is a rehabilitation physician with special qualifications in occupational health and ergonomics, mm -hmm. who was available for consultations. Uh, patients used to take appointments uh, online. And um, they, uh, all the workers who had any musculoskeletal symptoms used to come for a physical evaluation, after which investigations, if required, were prescribed. Each worker was offered uh, ergonomic workplace analysis in detail to look for all the risk factors. And then the medical treatment would start with, would largely be different aspects of rehabilitation, sometimes medication. And depending on what other risk factors are found or any medical comorbidities were found, those were also addressed. So this was an interdisciplinary team approach using a group of physicians, physiotherapists, ergonomists, sometimes psychologists. Uh, also, when the pandemic started, all these services moved online. Uh, what uh, uh, we had to do was uh, uh, have a teleconsultation first when uh, patients had symptoms. Uh, we assess them uh, using various questions, making them do certain movements on special tests remotely. Uh, 
investigating if necessary, and then starting them on tele-rehabilitation, largely with uh, self-directed exercises. There was an important emphasis on lifestyle factors, especially during the pandemic, because people were not sleeping, their uh, physical activity was very much limited, nutrition was not adequate, so uh, stress levels were extremely high. So uh, the lifestyle and functional medicine played a very important role in uh, overall recovery from these conditions. We were also able to develop apps and tools by which you could assess their home workstation setups remotely. And uh, we could uh, offer guidelines regarding an optimal workstation setup, what sort of equipment they could buy and how to set it up. Uh, uh, this was supplemented with a very uh, 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 variety of educational programs uh, delivered through the webinar mode, covering a whole lot of topics related to ergonomics, occupational health, lifestyle factors, etc. Where workers became aware of why they were getting these uh, symptoms and what they could do themselves to improve the situation. So, a combination of uh, uh, education, teleconsultation, tele-rehabilitation, lifestyle and functional medicine, psychological approaches which were, we were able to deliver remotely, including uh, methods like uh, emotional awareness and acceptance therapy, uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, graded exposure, various uh, methods were uh, successful in addressing the psychosocial factors uh, behind the development of these conditions. And we actually did a research study during the pandemic and uh, the success rate was not very different from what we were able to achieve in person. Even with the virtual uh, method, the recovery rates were well in excess of 90%. Mm -hmm. uh, so now that you've talked about how the pandemic affected people. I wanted to ask you how that has affected or changed the symptom presentation in people and how have you seen it present and how have you addressed it? So, during the COVID pandemic, uh, there was a very high prevalence of uh, workers reporting various types of musculoskeletal disorders, mainly because they had workstations that were not optimally set up. They just had a laptop, they placed it on the kitchen table and dining table and they were working with whatever they could find. In addition to being exposed to very high levels of stress, not sleeping well, etc. So, different types of musculoskeletal disorders were very common during the pandemic. Once the pandemic started uh, subsiding to an extent, we started seeing a lot of workers with post-COVID symptoms, or long COVID as we commonly call, call it. These uh, conditions typically presented with the uh, workers having widespread pain. So pain all over the body, tender muscles throughout the body, generalized stiffness, associated with severe fatigue, cognitive disturbances, brain fog, short-term memory loss, and more specific symptoms related to temporomandibular disorders, pelvic pain, and so on and so forth, multiple allergies. 
So uh, this is the challenge now uh, and even in the years to come, uh, how to ensure the workers, many of these workers actually were never diagnosed to have COVID. They had some, probably they had some clinical infection and they were never investigated or uh, found to have a diagnosis. But in the years to come, these are going to play a very major impact on their productivity and whether they are able to continue working at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, for such workers also, this interdisciplinary comprehensive approach where there is a major emphasis on improving the lifestyle related risk factors, mm -hmm. coupled with psychological interventions, pacing, can play an important role in ensuring that these workers remain productive and in the workforce. Yeah, so something I'm hearing repeatedly that you are talking about is the psychological approach to pain. And that is something not very commonly known or thought about. So expand on that so people understand what how that affects people. Uh, psychological factors influence pain in multiple ways. Uh, at one level, it is one of the risk factors for the development of a musculoskeletal condition itself. Because when, when we are stressed or uh, maybe facing stiff deadlines, the way we work, which we call our work style, changes quite significantly from worker to worker. We start uh, tensing our muscles, start adopting peculiar postures, start banging on the keyboard, stop taking breaks, become totally uh, focused on our deadlines. Mm -hmm. And even if we are in pain, we are not able to appreciate the pain and keep working through that. So the adverse work style is recognized as one of the important predisposing psychosocial risk factor for the development of working conditions. We also know that uh, when we are under stress, it also affects various other things like sleep, uh, how we respond to our uh, colleagues, co uh, managers, family members. Uh, there may be several emotional uh, issues related to that. Uh, all these have an important impact on our uh, recovery from a condition involving musculoskeletal pain. The longer we are exposed to these adverse psychosocial risk factors, the more likely it is that uh, acute condition becomes a chronic condition, which may, which means essentially that the pain lasts more than three months. And it can also increase the possibility of a worker becoming disabled because of the pain. So they may not be able to continue working. They may not be able to do their day-to-day -day tasks. They may stop indulging in their hobbies and basically become very much disabled in their various aspects. And the chances of recovery also becomes diminished if they keep getting exposed to these psychosocial risk factors. Mm -hmm. Hence, in the rehabilitation, so in our assessments, one of the important things is to 
assess and see whether these risk factors are present. So there are some workers who uh, have a fear of movement. They have been told that they have a uh, disc bulge in the lower back and they should not bend forward and they should not pick up anything from the floor. They start adopting a very rigid posture. They're extremely afraid to move the fear that they may damage their spine and may have to undergo surgery or something else. When you prescribe certain exercises to these patients, they're very reluctant because somebody else has told them that, that they may damage their spine if they exercise or move uh, in uh, supposedly wrong ways. And it is also known that uh, the uh, fear of this movement is an adverse factor for recovery as well. So it is important for people to uh, be educated and there are techniques like guided exposure where we gradually uh, make them perform these movements while the patient recognizes that these are actually not harmful and they are able to do it. Uh, there are very specific approaches. Uh, for example, if workers are disabled either because of chronic pain or because of mental health issues, PTSD or depression, anxiety. They are unable to work, so they are disabled because of uh, these factors. There are uh, very specific uh, treatment approaches, one of which is called uh, EGAP, Progressive Bone Attainment Program, where uh, it's a 10-week program with a weekly uh, session with a PGAP trained therapist, where uh, partly it is education and partly changing their behavior, their lifestyle, journaling, expressing their emotions, mm -hmm. and then being given a gradual uh, graded exposure program to get them back to activity and eventually back to work. So, uh, according to published literature, these are the most effective strategies available as of now to address uh, workers who have significant psychosocial risk factors and who are disabled because of these factors, uh, how to get them back to work. Uh, similarly, depending on different type of uh, uh, pain conditions, uh, for many uh, uh, generalized pain conditions like fibromyalgia, there are strategies like uh, pain reprocessing therapy or emotional awareness, and, uh, Emotional awareness and expression therapies, where um, again uh, repressed emotions are uh, uh, the patients are encouraged to express their repressed emotions, which may be contributing towards their uh, pain, and uh, expressing in form of journaling as a form of uh, therapy, as, along with uh, the structured educational program, making them understand why they have persisting symptoms and what other symptom strategies they have that they can adopt. So, especially for chronic uh, pain conditions, uh, psychological approaches are extremely essential for long-term sustainable recoveries. So, what I heard from all of this was that pain is not just physical pain, but it also has a huge psychosocial component to it and 
that is is that would you say that that is your specialty that in the way you treat pain not just physiotherapy and which is the traditional yes the uh, so no two uh, patients with chronic pain have the same condition each person has a unique condition uh, their uh, risk factors are unique the presentation is unique how you assess and approach them uh, from the point of view of treatment is extremely unique so we call it a pain phenotype so each worker each person each patient has a specific phenotype where they have unique risk factors and they have unique uh, things that we need to focus on a single approach where everybody who has chronic pain in the neck and is offered some sort of physical therapy or offered only psychological approaches is unlikely to be successful so you need to have a combination of approaches based on some sort of structured assessment and a targeted treatment approach personalized to that person's situation some patients may need more of psychological approaches some patients may need more of physical therapy approaches some patients may need more of medications so treatment has to be individualized and you have to often use a variety of treatment approaches to achieve the desired effect so my last question to you is if if someone finds themselves in pain what are the first few steps that they should take on their own and and when should they know that okay now is the time i need to get to a doctor and consult uh the message is that earlier the better don't wait for it to become severe enough that you cannot work any longer cannot uh, really sit up or look after yourself should wait till that stage the earlier you report it the earlier you get it addressed the earlier the causes of this are found the recovery is likely to be quicker and easier so uh, early diagnosis early intervention is the key message here uh, typically uh, uh, the incentive for this is if there are on site programs if you are working from home this becomes challenging sometimes but of course now we have virtual approaches still people can consult uh, online we can have virtual ergonomic uh, analysis and a lot of uh, rehabilitation can happen offline so you know so uh, so there are various approaches available and the general uh, message is to address your symptoms as a resource in your own interest because recovery is going to be quicker in this so don't rely on paracetamol to take your pain away once in a while is fine so the general uh, uh, tendency is to uh, uh, somebody who has pain in the wrist is to stop using your just uh, go off sick take take a break for 3 months and do nothing else 
moment the day you're back at work, you have the same pain back. Because your risk factors haven't been identified, nothing else can address, still exposed to the same factors. So the best uh, chance of recovery is uh, report your symptoms early, have it addressed, have your risk factors evaluated, and a multi-pronged approach to address all the risk factors on the rehabilitation. In this situation, you may not have to go off sick at all. Thank you for tuning in. For more information on Dr. Sharan, please visit his website at deepaksharan.com. To know more about Saraka's work in coaching, visit her website at sarakakishore.com. You can also find both of them on LinkedIn. All of the links are in the description. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review as it really helps us keep this going. I am Aditi, your host for this episode, and this podcast was brought to you by Vikup Health. See you in the next one.